Uh, you are listening to the second episode of the Alternating Sloth Podcast. Uh, for those who don't know, the Alternating Sloth Podcast is a casual talk, more laid-back podcast, as opposed to our usual podcast, Insert Cast, which is interviewing professionals within the audio industry. My name is Connor Marson, and yeah, you're listening to the Alternating Sloth Cast. Um, so, what have I been up to this week? Well, uh... I am finally, for the first time, watching through all of Breaking Bad. I only saw the first season, I got very busy with my studies and I wasn't able to finish the rest of the show, and my brother and both my flatmate have uh, told me that I should watch the Breaking Bad movie. So I went and I got a copy of uh, of a couple of the seasons. And I've been basically watching for a couple of the seasons. Um, I'm at the moment, I'm on season three. I just finished the episode uh, Fly, which was the one uh, where they're basically just, I think it's what they call a bottle episode, where it's just uh, not much of the cast. And it's actually a really good episode, I'd say. Um, it started off a bit slow, and I wasn't too sure about it. And I was like, come on, stupid fly plot. But then I kept watching it and the more I thought about it the more I uh, paid attention to everything the more I started to really like the episode um I kind of know already what's going to happen with the show because I saw all the spoilers and stuff when they were coming out so I know which characters are going to die and which ones aren't which is a little bit uh annoying but at the same time I kind of don't mind having a show spoiled uh spoiled for me because I you know, if I just get engrossed with the show, I don't really care after a while. Um, it is kind of annoying because it's like, oh, my favorite character, Hank, I know is going to die in season five. Um, but I'm really enjoying uh, watching his arc and seeing where he's going. Uh, you know, he had a really cool shootout with um, two Mexican cartel guys. That was pretty cool. Um, but I'm enjoying it a lot. I will say though, I don't like Walter White as a character after the second season. I think he's interesting to follow, but I think he's just a terrible person after after watching through season two. I just can't really uh, see him as, as... I don't like following him sometimes. Sometimes I'd rather follow Hank or even Gus, um, because Gus is a, a terrible person, but he knows he's a terrible person, and he knows what he's doing is terrible versus Walter White, who's this terrible person who for a long time just sort of justifies that, no, no, I'm a good guy. I, I just, you know, have to sometimes do bad things to, to, to do the right thing, which I think is interesting. And I think his actions are somewhat justified just when he's making drugs in the first couple episodes. But I think where he's gone now in the other arcs, uh, he's just turned into a horrible person. Uh, and, and, and interestingly enough, Jesse, who was not really a nice person in the first couple episodes, has um, slowly became a slightly nicer person. And every time you see him and what he does, his actions are a lot more justified and you can sort of understand where he's coming from. Um, I still think a lot of his, where he is, is a lot of his own doing. But you can also see he just has his problems and he's really just a guy who's just struggling and just needs help. and. Yeah, it's um, it's certainly a, an interesting character arc and an interesting uh, character study. I, I think it's an interesting show, and um, I'm going to keep watching, obviously, until I get to watching that movie. Um, and I'll update you, obviously, with further podcasts on my thoughts um, on what I thought of the show. So, what else was I going to talk about? So, yeah, last week, Zookeeper's closed. So I've been still uh, tooting away, playing playing music. Um, for those who didn't listen to last week's show, uh, my favourite basically place to go in Invercargill, where I'm based in New Zealand, uh, closed down. And it was the one place I went for open mics, and now it's no longer there. So I'm trying to find somewhere else to go. And um, I'd rather not drive all the way out to Dunedin, because that's like three hours, you know plus sometimes to get out there then you have to get somewhere to stay uh and it's it's a cool place but i don't you know i like dunedin a lot actually but um 
while I'm in Invercargill, you know, um, I don't think I'm going to drive out there every Thursday the same way I went every Thursday to Zookeepers just for, you know, a gig. Um, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm pretty, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting pretty antsy at the moment. I've been playing a lot of guitar lately. I've been practicing a lot and I'm starting to get a really good set. Uh, but I'm getting kind of pissed that I can't go and do this set now. So that's, that's a bit annoying. Uh, I've also been, uh, I learned Wipeout on the guitar recently. I know some people are listening like, oh, that's an easy, easy song. But, um, you know, I've always had an interest in, in surf rock guitar. And I've only just sort of learned guitar in the past year, and I'm mostly self-taught. And I was just sort of uh, playing around with sort of just playing on the guitar, and I was like, oh, that sounds a little bit surf rocky. And then I Googled a bit and sort of figuring it out. Um, it's a fun song to play, but you definitely need a drummer to play Wipeout. But it's a fun song to play, and I do enjoy playing it. I'm going to try and learn some more surf rock uh at the moment because i've been listening to a lot of uh surf rock music and i've also been listening to a lot of bluegrass well well mostly just country general country music and i like a lot of the finger picking stuff and i really want to i really want to get good at that because i i played bass a little bit before i played guitar and i did have some lessons on that and i gave up the bass pretty early on <laughs> Um, but I did play it for a little bit, and I think playing it has made my, my fingering actually a lot better on the guitar, so I would like to, I'd like to really work at, um, doing some, some finger-picking stuff, and just sort of doing stuff that's soloing with that sort of thing, uh, not just, you know, doing bends and the typical stuff that most guitarists learn for, uh, guitar. So, I was trying to think, this is the second episode, and I generally wanted to make this a general talk, but I also thought maybe I could talk about topics that I maybe talk too much about in real life, and uh, I need to maybe dedicate an entire podcast so I stop bothering my friends about it, or, you know, just a topic that interests me that I don't feel I can necessarily cover on InsertCast because it's... Uh, well, it, it's something maybe a bit more personal about my life, or um, I'm, I'm, for example, I'm a, I'm a massive geek, and um, not just an audio geek, but I'm a bit of a comic geek, as you heard last week, uh, me talking about the Joker and art and all that sort of thing. Um, I'm a little, bit of a, um, a little bit of a comic geek, I'd say. I'm a bit of a film geek, and uh, <laughs> those who really know me know I'm a bit of an anime geek as well. Um, it's I'd say I'm a little bit less than probably what I was back when I was a teenager, but I still watch occasionally. And um, I'm not going to dedicate an entire podcast to it, but maybe I might talk about it from time to time. Um, I'm not watching any anime currently, but I am reading manga, Japanese comics, um, at the moment. I know some people won't like me saying Japanese comics, but that's what they are. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been mostly reading uh those and i've been reading green lantern um i like green lantern a lot i'm reading the guy gardner run at the moment uh, i'm reading mostly jeff john's stuff uh for those who read comics but yeah i mostly that's what i'm doing in terms of that stuff and and this is the sort of stuff i maybe want to cover on this podcast um so I was thinking one of the topics that I wanted to talk about that I have talked about a lot of my friends and I love talking about it because it was such a fun experience and um, it's, it's, a, it's a long story and I tell it a lot and I have had, had friends sort of look at me and go, oh, going to talk about his trip again. Here he goes, he's going to talk about his trip again because I went to Japan uh last year and i love talking about it obviously and i'm i'm thinking of going again i had a very good time when i was over there uh and i had some interesting things happen but i don't regret a single moment i was there and i don't regret going on the trip even though at one point there was a point where i was almost going to cancel uh because i have a, i had a bit of an air problem which i'm still dealing with um maybe i'll elaborate that on a later podcast because it's a whole nother story for a whole nother day 
but I, I've always kind of wanted to talk about this, um, and I always want to talk about it whenever I can, because I, I had such a fun time, and the only, my only regret was I wish I could have went with a, a friend of mine, uh, who sadly couldn't come along, uh, cancelled at the last minute, and I kind of wish I went with him, because it's always fun to, to share those sorts of experiences, and uh, sadly, some people I met there who I've got their con- I had their contact, tried contacting them, and it just didn't work. Uh, there was a guy I met from, <laughs> if he's listening, there was a guy I met from the Netherlands called Nick. I would like to uh, contact him again and keep in contact with him. He was a good guy, and you know, it'd be good to be friends still. Uh, the guy I met in, in Brisbane, I tried getting a hold of when I was over in Oz, didn't seem to work, whatever, you know. Um, but it would be cool to have, you know, be in contact with some of these people still because I had a lot of fun over there. Uh, so, why did I go to Japan is probably a good place I could start. So, I've kind of always uh, wanted to go to Japan. As I said, I'm a bit of an anime geek. I've been one since I was a teenager, uh, around the same time I was getting into music. And... I like a lot of other stuff about Japan too. I wanna, I wanna make that clear, because um, I was a bit of a, a weeby sort of guy in high school. But I'd like to think I've gotten a little bit out of there. I mean, my friends would probably still say, "Oh no, you're still a bit of a weeb because you still talk about Japan and all that." Um, but I'd say actually going over there has definitely changed uh, how I've felt about the culture and a lot of things and. Also, I, before I left, I actually wasn't consuming that much anime or manga. Um, I'm not consuming that much now on a general basis, but I occasionally do. And so, yeah, there was that interest for that sort of stuff. Um, that was one of the reasons I wanted to go there for a long time. But I've also just had an interest in the music and the culture and just the general look of the country has just always interests me. Um, most of my family also has not been to that many parts of Asia. My brother has been to Beijing and to, I think he's been to Hong Kong. No, he's been to Beijing. He's been to Thailand. And those are the only two places he's been to in Asia. And he hasn't really been anywhere else in Asia. And my dad hasn't been anywhere in Asia. And my mum stopped off in Hong Kong for a couple of days and hated it. Uh, sadly, I went, you know, um, I think it was just, she had been from a big trip to Prague and I think it was just the wrong time. Uh, but I wish, you know, I, I wish she got to do a proper trip there cause I feel like she would, she would like it. And I, I, you know, if the protests, if everything goes well with that, um, I'm not going to say which side I'm on because I'm not going to get too political here today about it um but if it gets you know if it if it gets to a point where people can visit the country again and you know um they've either come to a resolution or or something uh you know i i'd still like to visit hong kong i really like hong kong that was actually my gateway into uh anime and a lot of asian culture was through going to my local video shop and picking out kung fu movies, and then eventually going, ah, oh, well, I like these actors, uh, what else are they in, or what, what, are, what, what other um, things are coming out of Hong Kong that are interesting, what other movies? So I started checking out, like, dramas and, and other uh, action movies, you know, the John Woo movies, things like that, and then I came across some Japanese cinema, didn't really find I liked it, but I had been seeing some stuff that I started to realize was anime on TV and uh, they usually at most video shops when I was a kid would put all the uh, you know Asian cinema in the same section near the anime or it would you know be near the cartoon section which would also have the anime in it so I just ended up you know being in that video store and then going oh, okay I like this movie um, this is cool stuff you know oh I've seen this you know this is right over here as well. I'm I'm gonna pick this up as well while I'm here, and so that's sort of just how it came about. And um, so I have a lot of love for for Hong Kong uh, in terms of its landscape and also just the movies they make. And also, you know, and so I'd like to visit there. And if, as I said, I I had an interest 
in Japan because of the stuff I was seeing in anime and a little bit in, in some films. I like some Japanese films. I like a movie called Departures and uh, Kwaidon. Uh, those are probably two of my favorites you can check out. They're pretty good. Um, but I decided to go to Japan not just because of those reasons. Um, I mean, it, it, that was definitely something that pushed me. But my, I was, my first year of studying in this three-year degree that I was doing, I found that I was uh, really stressing out and I didn't really have an end goal at the end of my, at the end of my year other than to finish the course. And I got to a point in my second year where things just weren't going well. Um, I, I had a, uh, I had an, uh, an attempt on my own life and I felt I needed to change something in my life and I needed to set myself goals uh, that weren't just trying to finish course and you know um yeah just something other than just trying to finish course off because while that's not a bad goal to have and and to work at uh you you know you need other things in your life and i wasn't i wasn't really doing that and i was just sort of i didn't feel like i was doing that well on the course but i also you know um so i was scared of failing but I also, I feel like I needed a second, a second motivator to not only finish the course, but to also be like, okay, I finished the course, I need a proper break and I need to go somewhere else. Um, because I also, you know, I realized when I went to Japan and when I finally came back, that the thing I actually needed was perspective. I needed to see a different lifestyle. I needed to see different people. I just needed to be in a different environment. I found the environment that I was staying in just wasn't wasn't great for me. Um, you know, I, I that that's what I find works works for me. Getting getting into a better environment, seeing yourself a different goal, uh, can can get these sorts of thoughts and and these sorts of a sort of behaviour out of your head a lot of the time. I know I know people would say, you know, um, can't you just think about you know the people that love you and 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 all that you know and and you you know you you should have that um it's good to think about you know that people are looking out for you and 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 i think i think it's good to also talk to people and and you sometimes need a reminder from people actually that hey people do like you people do trust you because you will find yourself sometimes you get stressed out, you're in a new place, uh, you, you find yourself, you know, getting maybe a bit depressive, a bit sad. Um, I've had, you know, trust issues in the past and other issues that I'll maybe get into on a later podcast that I've had to, had to work through over these past couple of years. And I, I found for me, setting myself a big goal that wasn't just to finish the course, but to also set myself something that was going to put myself sometimes in a hard place financially that was not going to make me necessarily happy, but was going to, if I worked through that, it was going to push me and drive me uh, to keep going, you know. I mean, I had this stupid idea for a little bit that like, oh, well, I won't kill myself until I go to Japan. I've got to, you know, I thought, well, you know, I thought, I fought on my head for a little bit. I thought, well, if I'm going to kill myself, I need to do something that, you know, I, what's the things on my list that I would do before I ever die? And, and going to Japan was one of them. And then when I went there, I realized, well, it was kind of stupid for me to think, you know, um, that sort of way. But at the same time, that rationality was what got me through and got me to go to my trip to Japan. And I, it really really helped i would actually say that if anybody is in a situation where they feel like they're going to take their own life uh set yourself a goal set yourself some sort of end goal some sort of plan that isn't maybe just finishing work every day because course to me after a while to just finish like it just felt like work it didn't feel like just a happy you know a fun goal that i'm setting myself um 
you know, there's a difference between setting yourself a goal of losing weight or something like that versus, uh, you know, getting all this paperwork done or or getting getting you know something done for work or for for your school or whatever. Which it's not a bad thing to do, uh, but yeah, I do feel like you need other other things in your life to to set yourself and. You need to sometimes see different perspectives, different lives. Um, I mean, if you, as I said, if you're in a, if you're in a, a situation that's just getting bad and you're struggling, I would say maybe you need to, at the end of the year, go somewhere else. And that can, that can just be, you know, um, I'm in New Zealand. Uh, here's an example. So that could just be, you know, if you live in the South Island, Maybe you go on holiday up to Taupo in the North Island and you save up some money and you set yourself that goal for the year and you're going to do a bunch of things in Taupo. You know, it could be something as small as that um, or it could be something as a little bit bigger like Australia or it can be as big as I'm going to go to South America, you know, at the end of the, the year because I've always wanted to go to South America. You know, it could be something like that, um, you know, you can you just need to set yourself goals i think sometimes and it can be really hard when you've got one rigid thing that's set for you in front of you and you've got all this pressure and maybe you're not doing the best at it and and that can really that can really uh hurt you and when you're just focusing on that one thing and nothing else um you know it's good for a little bit of time but then you need to take breaks you need to relax obviously and sometimes you don't, and it can just be, just be a lot of pressure. Uh, so I, that's what I would say to people who are, who are in this situation. And also talk, talk to people around you. You know, um, don't be afraid to say, say what's on your mind, say what you're feeling. Uh, I know, I know. Sometimes you don't want to. I know, you know, you don't want to tell your friend that you're having these thoughts, and you don't want to be shamed or, or. Uh, you don't even even the nice things like you don't want them to go like oh it's I'm so sorry to hear that sometimes you know you don't want to hear that um sometimes you know you you know you you want to hear um you don't really know what you want to hear but you you want some because sometimes the problem isn't just the people around you it's it's a little thing it could be a little problem or it could be a big problem and sometimes it's just working to a goal and setting yourself something else that isn't just this one work thing or thing that you're on um, to get through what the situation that you're through. Uh, and, and as I said, if you're talking with people as well, if you're talking to your friends and you're telling them your problems, sometimes these little problems can be fixed. Uh, you know, if it's something as simple as, well, let, let's say you, you've had this car for a long time and you love this car. And then all of a sudden, your car gets smashed up in a massive accident. And, you know, all this work you've put in it, it's gone. And you're also having all this other pressure at work. Well, you know, that's when you need to go and talk to your friends. That's when you need to tell them. And, and your goal might have to be now, you know, um, saving up to, to buy a new car. Uh, but you can, you can make it fun out of it. You can make a fun activity. You can do other stuff other than just work. You could say, you know, um let's do some car wash i don't know something something fun to get a bit more money if if you needed to maybe maybe do some busking if you're a musician um you know you can you can think of other ways and and talk with your friends and let them know what's going on you know how how you're feeling and and it's it's better to do that than just pretend nothing's happening because you'll find it will just get worse and it'll just you'll just find yourself in a terrible place and you might find yourself doing something that, you know, you don't really need to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, went to, I went to Japan. Uh, and I, I set myself a goal at the start of that year after I had this attempt. Um, and after I had, I had, I didn't call my mum after the attempt, but we had been talking that year about setting yourself something other than just the course. Um, and so I decided to also set myself this goal of going to japan and i think it was wasn't january then 
because it was the I was in a new place, and I think this was maybe March or sometime around then, uh, maybe late February. And so I set myself the goal of I'm going to go to Japan, and I was getting a student allowance at the time. Um, I didn't have a job. Obviously, this would have been harder if I had a job. Um, but you're still getting to pay, you know, somehow. And it would be the same sort of as course, except now I'm actually doing, you know, I have this thing that I'm working at that's getting me money as well versus being at course. I'm just sort of working for a degree. Uh, but I, I decided I would um, take a bit of money out each week and I would put it into an account and that account would be for my trip. And I would do that each week and i would work hard at course as well and i would push myself at course while also doing that for my trip and i did that and there were obviously times when i got depressed and i struggled but when i realized well you know i've got this trip just gotta keep working i'll get this trip you know i'll get there i'll get there and, and having that goal just pushed me even through some of the really hard times and i never got necessarily too suicidal I never got to that point, but I, you know, obviously I got a bit angry. <laughs> obviously there were times where it was a bit hard to manage. Um, there was one week where I just bought noodles <laughs> for myself and that's all I ate, just little packets of noodles. And that was terrible, but uh, I did it and I managed to get the money for my trip. And I had, I had my spending money. I had my plane money and all I asked my parents is I said can you pay for my accommodation and I'll pay for the rest and that ended up happening and I also ended up getting a little bit of extra money because my birthday was going to be when I was going to Japan um, so I got a little bit of extra birthday money as well for the trip along with the Christmas money that was the accommodation and I went, I wasn't going to go when I actually finally got all the money and I'd worked hard but then I was starting to have this air problem that I'll elaborate on a later podcast um, and I was scared of actually getting on the flight because of this air problem I had and funny enough uh, doing this flight on the way back it did do some damage to my ear but I still don't regret doing the trip even even though that happened. Um, but I ended up going, I, I did, my mom ended up put, kept on uh, pushing me and when I got up to Wellington for two months I ended up getting a job at the hospital and I worked as a, uh, I worked as a kitchen hand and also doing some, some sort of cleaning, dishwasher sort of stuff as well and that was uh, an interesting job, um, I didn't completely hate it there were times I, I enjoyed parts of it. Uh, I'd say the the washing, the big there was a big uh, industrial washing machine, and that was way too fucking loud. I felt my ears were just in pain any time I had to work in there. And there was one shift where I had been given, I'd been working a pretty cush job. Um, they had put me on for a couple, for for a, I think it was like a week or two, maybe a week. And that was just uh, being in the back room, doing samples occasionally, you know, just, just doing the food samples, making sure everything's there, giving people what they need uh, product-wise, and then also, you know, checking the stock um, when it came in. And then occasionally I had to bring in milk and other things. And I remember one day they said, all right, um, you're going to do a bit of that, but you also have to help with some other things. And eventually they just put me onto those other things and one day I did have a collapse I did I did uh, have I did get a bit stressed out I did get a bit dizzy I was having some vertigo problems at the time and I did have a major fall and uh, it was weird it was like an out-of-body experience I felt like I, I felt like almost wasn't there like ever I could see everything that was going on and everything that was happening to me and I remember they they uh pinched my my hand and you know to get a, a sample of blood and I didn't feel it I felt like I felt nothing and I thought that was really weird and I couldn't talk um it's almost like I had a stroke or something I think I had like a, a minor heart attack I had some some because I remember before I had the fall I was feeling dizzy I felt like I was losing oxygen and I was having trouble breathing and then I I fell 
and my heart was racing like crazy and um I yeah I just felt like I couldn't feel anything and I could barely talk I, I remember they tried to ask me questions and I was, uh, 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 was sort of like that for, for most of the time when they were trying to talk to me uh and I went through all of that and then I got I think I got a week off because obviously the fall and then I went back to work and I worked my ass off and I thought I did I did pretty good on the last couple of days and I'll say the one good thing about work is I was able to keep in shape pretty well I felt like I got a really good workout for my arms, uh, pushing trolleys back and forth. You, you, you know, it, it got a little bit. There was a couple of days where it was hard, but uh, some sometimes I was like, when I when I finally got that trolley in and I got the food to the people and I went back, walking back, I was like, wow, I've I've done this and I could feel the burn of my muscles and I've, you know, so that was that was really good. And I did that for, yeah, I did that for like two months, I think, because um, I did a bit in November and a bit in December. And then January came around and I planned my trip. And I think it was, yeah, it was for about two weeks or like about, yeah, about a week or two. Uh, I know some people be like, oh, you didn't plan it. But I, I, had, I had course in February and um, I, I, so I decided I would, you know, and I could have done it for the month of January. That was something I considered, but um, I, I only just, I just decided I would do it for, for um, I just decided I would, you know, do it for a week or two, just because it was easier money-wise to set my to get the ticket. Um, so I, I did, I did two weeks, and actually before those two weeks, I did work a little bit in January as well. But uh, so my trip. Um, I don't remember the flight exactly. Uh, if I'm being honest, this is this is this, this is the little parts I can't remember. Uh, but I got to the airport, got on the flight. Uh, I think I went from Wellington. Yeah, I went from Wellington to Auckland. That's the stuff I do remember. I went from Wellington to Auckland. I had to go through, you know, all the all the stops and everything, all the customs and all that. Um, surprisingly, even even just going up, and then I. Went up, got to the international section, got through, and right before my flight, I called my, my friend Sammy, and we had a decent talk before I got on my flight, because um, she likes some anime stuff, and we've sort of bonded over that, so she was excited for my trip, so I told her, uh, you know, that I was about to board, and I was nervous, um, <laughs> but, but I was happy at the same time, and a little bit excited. And I got on my flight, and it felt, it was 10 hours, the flight, and 10 hours, man, it feels, I mean, it is essentially a day, you know, you, you do essentially lose a day, and, you know, you're, you're on the flight, and it just after a while, uh, you know, I kind of hated it for a little bit, if I'm being honest, um, you know, it, it was a bit painful on the ears, because I said I had a bit of an ear problem at the time, and that wasn't fun. Uh, but it wasn't too severe. I remember it wasn't massively severe. I just didn't really like it. And then I got off in Japan. And I remember we got off at night. And I really wanted to just get out of the plane. And I remember we had to wait. We got there, you know, in Tokyo. And we're sitting in the plane. And it's ice cold. Uh, that's the other thing too. I, I knew I was coming in winter. But I didn't realize how cold it was going to be until later on. And we were on the flight and we were waiting and there was apparently some ice or something blocking the, the runway. So I was, I was essentially um, sitting in my plane waiting and just, you know, just really antsy to get out of the flight. And I think we waited about 15 minutes and I ended up talking to the flight attendant uh, for a little bit. And then, yeah, finally got out. Uh, we had to go on like a little bus as well to actually get over to the airport. And that was, uh, that was interesting, you know, that was a bit different. And um, then we got through the airport and it was like, it was like going to a big abandoned warehouse or something. It didn't feel like a, a regular airport. I remember we went up the big, we went up like a big stairway sort of thing, like a wheelchair access sort of thing. I think I, I'm, I'm vaguely remembering this. And then, yeah, there was like this sort of big warehouse looking thing. It felt like something I had seen in like a, a uh, a cop you know like a shooting range thing because it was you know it was like a big warehouse type thing carpet just big plain looking wooden 
wood all like around us you know on the walls like not really well painted or anything just regular wood and i remember we went through and they had this big massive line that was for people who weren't japanese and then there's this other small line for people who were japanese and the line that was people coming into japan it just yeah it was it was pretty big and it also like the the custom people they seemed like you know just real stern and um, I remember I had to I've never had to do this but I had to do this when I was in Japan I had to do both my thumbs I had to press them in ink and then stamp them onto my um, onto like a little card thing or something for all my passport I think but I had to I had to do that they did my passport they let me they let me go through and I then had to figure out how I was going to get into uh, Asakusa which is where I stayed um, and I Luckily for me, Narita Airport is, uh, there's, there's the, right below Narita is the train, trains, like there's a, there's a train. The annoying part is though, going from Narita, you have to catch a different train from just the, there's not just like the, it's not just the usual one into Asakusa. I remember I had to, I had to catch a very particular train and I had to tell the ticketer, like, I want this one, um. And it's the first time I got to use Japanese going off of the, you know, a little bit off the, off the, um, flight. And so I got my ticket, I got on, I wasn't too sure if I got on the right train. <laughs> so I asked the person right next to me, um, you know, who, and I felt really bad. I, I, I spoke to him because I thought he was Japanese and I spoke to him and he, and he turned to me and I spoke to him in full Japanese. I gave him a full Japanese sentence and he turned to me and he went, Hey man, we were just on the same flight. I'm from Korea, and I'm coming here for like a day, and then I'm going to Korea. Uh, so, you know, talked to you know, had that talk for a little bit, and then he got off at like the very next stop. Um, realized I was on the right right train. It took me a while to figure out the the actual train system. Um, to figure out you know, uh, the, the actual, the mapping of it, my, I could read it, but, uh, I, I hadn't seen a train map like this big uh, looking that way. And there was a digital one and I was jet lagged. So I could read some stuff, but I was really tired as well. So my brain just wasn't working as well as it would have. And so I was just sort of sitting on the train and just taking a lot, you know, taking it in, but then also, feeling the massive cold when it hit i remember i sneezed and this is kind of gross but my snot like basically almost froze <laughs> and uh, so i had to like unzip my bag grab my beanie and my jacket and something else because i think i just had like a jumper on and a pair of pants and um and like a little other vesting underneath because i came from auckland and auckland was pretty hot so going into going into Tokyo, you know, it was fucking fucking freezing, and I'm freezing my ass off. I get all this stuff on in the middle. I felt really bad because I've just opened up a massive suitcase in front of all these really quiet people, you know, just patiently waiting for the next stop. And I'm getting on all my stuff. And thankfully, you know, it was a while before they they went to the next stop. So I had a little like I had about like two seconds to get all my stuff out, unzip it, you know, put the bag under. And then just hold on to one of the lines and, and then take a seat eventually and just wait for my stop. And um, I remember a lot of stuff about the train. <laughs> I remember all the sound. In fact, uh, one thing I did last week was I was on YouTube and someone had actually uploaded some videos of the uh, train stop sounds. Because in Japan, when the train stops at a station, it actually has a theme song for every station and uh, after a while you know I, I'm sure some people get annoyed of it but uh, as a tourist you're just like you, you, you start to get you start to really like those those theme songs and you get used to them after a while of course but um, there were like a couple couple times where you know I get really excited sometimes going into certain stations because I'm like oh I'm gonna hear this this song and then you know when I came back it's just nostalgic now hearing hearing those sounds again and um, I remember the, the door opening sound. It sounded like a ghost or something. I was like... Kruh. 
Like it was just because of the ice, I think. Um, just, you know, the cold had just stuck the doors, you know. So there was just this. And um, it's funny when you, they have two different voices for when you're on the, the train system. And one of them is the is just the regular Japanese uh, voice that'll tell you, you know, the station. It'll be something like. Um, uh, you know, uh, it'll be something, something like that. I don't know the the other words of yeah, blanking now, but um, it would be something like ueno, and then you'd hear the the person in English, and they'd go, next stop is ueno, ueno, and it'd be some weird Canadian, yeah, sounded like a Canadian lady or something, some sort of Canadian, maybe Canadian American lady on the speaker thing. And the worst thing was, I could speak a bit of Japanese, and I could understand that the Japanese one would just tell you the station names, and occasionally maybe one of a detail that you needed to know in terms of like something when you get in there, or if there was a delay or something. Um, but the English ones <laughs> would always give you instructions on how you should behave on the train, and I think it's because Sadly, there's been some pretty bad, rude people on the, the Japanese trains from overseas. So you'd have, you know, a uh, Japanese person that speak, you know, it would just be the next stop. And then the, the U, you know, the English person would come on. You'd hear two things about your next station, you know, next stop, ueno. And then after that, it would be, please be mindful of noise on the train. Do not make too much noise for passengers on the train. So you would, you know, you'd hear something like that on the train. Uh, <laughs> and I remember the, the conductor voice when you finally did get, there was this, when you get the guy voice, uh, when you get like the guy who's, who's um, who I think's piloting the, um, the actual, who's, who's pilot, who's uh, driving the train. He would be like, oh, next up, Ueno. You know, he'd have this very, very sort of uh, particular vocalism that you don't hear much, much in Japan that was kind of funny to hear sometimes. And um, I remember I got off at, at Asakusa. I walked off. I had my bag with me, and I didn't know which exit to take because I'd, I hadn't been in a big station like that in a while. And of course, you know, I'm still taking in everything, all the culture, all that, uh, all the sights and smells. There's a very, you know, there's a very particular smell and there's a very particular feeling in the air. And it's obviously massively cold. Uh, so I'm trying to keep warm as well. And so um, I've got my bag, I'm dragging it with me. And um, I go up one of the exits and I realize I, I think I, I thought I had taken the wrong exit. And I was, because I was at this big booth with like where you essentially, you know, push your train ticket and then go through. And I, you know, we don't really have those in, in New Zealand. Um, they, I know they, I've been, I've been through a subway before overseas, but it'd been a long time since I'd used one of those. So I didn't know if this was the right one to go through up to, into Asakusa. And I was waiting there and sort of trying to figure out and I, I was going to ask someone, and then out of the blue, uh, this guy who must have been one of the train workers, like an old dude, I, I figured he was going to come up and, and speak to me in a bit of broken English um, with some Japanese maybe thrown in there and, and try and explain to me, you know, ask me where I need to go or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but he came up to me and he spoke fluent English, like the best English, I, I'd, I'd actually say some of the best English I heard there from someone, you know, who wasn't english um and he he essentially you know asked me what was the case and i tried to explain in broken english to him uh but after a while i just sort of spoke regularly because i'm like oh he could speak so he he just explained to me yeah you've got to you know go up here and and it showed me he he helped me get through the train thing uh through the little you know ticket booth thing and then got me right up and then i showed him where i had to go and he he didn't walk me all the way there, but he walked me a little bit outside and then pointed exactly where I needed to go, which end I needed to take. And, uh, yeah, so, so my first experience in Japan, you know, getting someone very nicely helping me out uh, to, to get to, you know, to get to my hostel. 
and um, I remember I, I think it was maybe 10 or 11, it was pretty late there, and so I'm walking there, I'm taking in, I'm taking all these sites, I'm taking in Asakusa, which isn't the biggest city in Tokyo, or the biggest district in Tokyo, but uh, it's, it's still a cool little area, and it's so, it's, it's different, you know, it's, it's definitely different from New Zealand. Um, there are things that are similar in terms of like size, but obviously, you know, you're, you're not used to seeing actual temples like around sometimes and, you know, uh, certain, you know, you don't see 7-Elevens the same, they don't look the same the way they do in Japan, the, the feeling in the air, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm in, I've been through the, I've essentially been outside for a tiny bit, you know, to get on the bus in the airport and then going from you know the airport to the train and then from the train outside you know through the subway uh sorry train subway then outside you know so i hadn't really i felt a bit of the air but you know this i could really take in the outside and see everything and i remember for a while i was just sort of i didn't stop but i, I you know i kept walking in my place but i was just sort of had my head up looking around and uh what was cool was the area that i was staying in at night they had this really cool sort of neon um neon lights just around like the gateway into the into the area so i could see exactly where i needed to go and i walked through there uh i had to use a key because um the place it was pretty late and i i remember i got there and one of the ladies was just about to leave and i told her you know uh, that I was coming in for the night, and she said, oh, okay, and I talked to her for a bit, and she signed me in, and then she, she had to go, and, um, yeah, I, I, I went upstairs, um, and you, <laughs> the number one thing I definitely noticed about Japan, uh, is how small everything is in terms of, I'm not that tall, I'm about five foot nine, and, uh, but that's still, that's still pretty tall for, for Japan, I found, um, like all the little, all the little doorways and stuff I would find, I'd have to duck a little bit sometimes, or I would just have to not bend, you know, straighten myself out too much. Um, and it was also kind of, it was kind of cramped in a little bit, and I found I got on the elevator, and it was all carpeted out, which was something I hadn't seen before, but that's something they do in Japan. And then I got upstairs, got into my room. They had, funnily enough, uh, the two people, because I was sharing like a room, like bunks. And my room, funnily enough, was with two New Zealand people who were going up to uh, Sapporo um, the next day. And so I was, <laughs> I was talking to them for a little bit, um, but I was also extremely tired. And I basically, you know, some people would go outside and say no i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the jet lag but this place uh you know it didn't have a curfew you could go out as late as you wanted but i had already signed in i already got all my stuff in and i was pretty tired so i just took a nap the next day and then woke up uh the i one thing i did find about the room was it was not cold it was never cold but the beds were so hard i felt like it was just like gravel like i'd put myself down there and at first I kind of didn't like it but after a while I felt like I was having the best sleep like after two or three nights I felt like I had a better sleep than I ever had and it's almost gotten to the point where I feel like I should probably get a harder mattress even though I don't like it I feel like it's better for my back and, and just better for me in general because I found for me I just I slept better and I got up the next day, I walked around uh, Asakusa and I saw the temples and, and everything and I just took a, a full walk around. Um, I did have to ask for directions quite a lot, but I was quite good. Uh, I, learned, I learned one really good phrase that I used a lot in Japan, which is uh, Wadoko desu ka? Wadoko desu ka? And I'd use Wadoko desu ka quite a bit and um, I'd use it, you know, for any sort of location around Asakusa, um, you know, I, I wanted to get to, I, I, my beanie that I bought with me, I think it was ripped, or there was some sort of problem, so I had to get a beanie, because my head was freezing, because it was freaking cold, so I was asking around, um, I, I asked two American dudes, you know, where it was, they tried to help me, 
wasn't much help. Um, my phone, I didn't get, I made the dumb decision when I went to Japan actually of not getting a Japanese SIM card. So I did run into some problems there with, you know, trying to use my data, trying to do calls, that sort of thing. Uh, but, and it worked, the internet funnily enough worked fine on my, at, at the hostel and at a couple other places I'll get into later. But I found, um, I found I did have to ask directions quite a bit and I find most foreigners are a little bit scared of the Japanese police. You know, I see a lot of videos online of like being scared of approaching the, the uh, police. Uh, so, yeah, I find, I find a lot of people are a little bit uh, frightened of the, the Japanese police system. Um, sometimes they're scared of being, you know, there's all these stories of people being pulled over and being asked, you know, about their their ID and things like that. And I find that that didn't happen to me. Um, I mean, I am a white guy, so I might have had that privilege there. Uh, but I, I ended up asking a Japanese policeman for directions, and I found he was very helpful, and he told me exactly where I needed to go, and I ended up getting there pretty quickly. Uh, because I was trying to get to Don Quixote, you know, that it's kind of like a, um, uh, for New Zealanders, it's kind of like a $2 shop. Um, for Americans, I guess it would be kind of like a Walmart or something like that. Uh, 99 cent store. Um, just cheap-ish stuff. Uh, a lot of wacky, weird stuff. Um, I bought some green tea flavored Kit Kats from there. You know, so it's it's that sort of stuff you can get from from um, a Don Quixote. I also that morning I remember I was trying to figure out what to get for breakfast, and I had no idea what to get for breakfast. And I only had two bad meals when I was in Japan in terms of food. I only had two really bad things to eat, and one of them was uh, I went to a family mart, which is. Um, essentially like a dairy, a four square uh, 7-Eleven for Americans, but this is a different type. They had 7-Elevens actually in Japan. Um, I did go to them a bit. And uh, there was, it was funny enough, an actual supermarket, supermarket not that far from me, and also a 7-Eleven. But I ended up going to this family mart, and I ended up getting this horrible uh what was it it was a horrible mushroom curry thing or something like that it just tasted horrible and i i tried to stomach it down there was a vending machine actually in the common room area where we could eat food and stuff at the place and i ended up uh getting apple juice quite a lot from there um wasn't the best apple juice tasted a bit like cheap you know apple juice you'd get like it tasted a bit funny but it did the job, and that's what I had like a lot of mornings when I was there. So I ended up getting that. I'm eating this horrible curry thing, and there were some people there with me, and I decided, you know, uh, to just be polite, and I wanted to not only engross myself in the cult, you know, in the, um, the, the culture, but just, you know, the people as well, get, get you know, push myself a bit to go out there a little bit with, with people and, and actually talk to people. And so I, I ended up, um, I ended up talking for a little bit to, to one of the people in broken English. I tried speaking in Japanese, I think, but I ended up speaking broken English to one of them. And I realized halfway through, they were from Taiwan and they could speak a little bit of Japanese. Um, but I, it was actually easier getting through with them in English because their Japanese was a bit worse than mine, actually, um, in terms of speaking. Because my, my reading level for Japanese was actually really good. My speaking level was okay, but not great. And these people were even worse in terms of speaking uh, Japanese. So I ended up speaking with them. And the funny thing was there was about 12 people from Taiwan who I think were either family or just friends. And I talked with them for about five minutes, and within five minutes, they, um, they offered me, uh, like, this sugar bread thing, um, just bread that was, like, sugar-flavored. It tasted really nice. Um, it's just really sugary, really sweet. Um, so I had that. Tasted way better than my curry thing. Uh, but they gave me a full loaf of that. They were offering me fruit. Uh, I just remember how generous they were. 
I talked to them and we're just talking about general stuff like, oh, what do you do? Where, where are you from? These sorts of things. And, um, you know, doing some, some little small jokes. Some of them were funny. Some of them were, you know, some of them they didn't quite get culturally. Uh, I don't remember all of them. I know they're, they're nothing like racist or anything. It was just, you know, sort of things about maybe the job they were doing or something like that. I think one of them was in computing and I made a kind of a geeky joke. Um, that didn't quite translate well and I remember within five minutes I had this food I was talking with like most of them and then a couple of seconds after that they were like hey can I get a photo of you I was like cool all right I'll get a photo of you you know um, I was almost gonna ask for like a contact thing too you know because uh, I was like cool I made a friend because I was just talking to the one dude for a while just the I think he was the husband and after like two seconds <laughs> he looks at everybody around him and he goes we'll take a photo and he gets everybody like 12 people and I'm sort of uh, sitting in the middle <laughs> around 12 Taiwanese people and they've got their camera out and they take a photo with me um, it was a very interesting experience and I remember they kept on telling me uh, Taiwan nicest people Taiwan best place you gotta go so I actually wouldn't mind, uh, even though that was a weird experience, I wouldn't mind going to, to Taiwan because uh, it seems like a cool culture and they seem like really nice people. Um, so that was, that was an interesting morning and then, yeah, going to the temples in uh, Asakusa and then going to Don Quixote and getting my beanie and then um, I don't remember what I did. I don't think I went on the train that morning. I think I just went around Asakusa. I just wanted to get my bearings around there. And so I walked around a little bit. I didn't quite go into Sumida City, which is the area right next to Asakusa. I instead went into, um, and I just sort of walked around the main area. I think I ended up going to a place called Matsuya, uh, where I got just basically like a beef bowl thing for dinner that night and I, it was it was a pretty laxed um laxed first day wasn't until the second day when i met up with my cousin who's from the u.s but who's been living there uh she speaks really good japanese and she showed me around for the most part in in the area and we we you know we met up in asakusa and she said oh um cool i'll take you into Ueno and we'll go to you know we'll go to some other places and so we got into um, Ueno and uh, we went and sorted out my JR pass because um, I was going to go to Osaka at some point. And so we, we went for a line, we sorted that. I remember Ueno Station is just massive. It's just like, it, it feels like uh, it's got all these clocks and, and it feels like a giant airport or something. You know, it's just this big station where a lot of other stations go through. And I really liked Ueno. We walked around for a bit. Um, she showed me some of like the shops, some of the main streets. Um, we did look at a SIM card plan, didn't quite work. Um, we looked at yeah, just a couple of little shops around there. And then she took me to a ramen place. And what I found is I didn't mind ramen in Japan, but I didn't like it that much, if I'm being honest. Uh, there was one place that's really good that I liked, um, but I found the ramen that I had in Ueno that we had to wait in line for, for a little bit, uh, which I think was like a pretty, you know, she'd recommended it, um, so I went, and I don't know if it was just what I ordered, or if it just, you know, I just found it wasn't, it was okay, it wasn't great, it was okay. So we went to that place, um, had lunch, I, I think it was also just my stomach wasn't, it was different flavors, different, you know, tastes, you know, it's, it's really different from, from what we have here when it comes to, to ramen. I haven't had that many, went to that many places that taste that similar. And after that, we walked up this big hill into Ueno Park, uh, which was, you know, Ueno is probably, Ueno is my, um, my probably my fa one of my favorite places in Tokyo, probably my favorite district in Tokyo I just absolutely loved it and we went through the park we went up and we we looked around we saw uh, a guy who's like a robot statue thing dancing that was pretty cool 
and we went by a big fountain. I think there was some um, food stalls and stuff, and there were some performances. And uh, I think that day I got all shrined out because I saw so many shrines and uh, so many, you know, temples and stuff just in, just walking around that whole park. And I know some people would say, oh, there's so many better ones in Kyoto and all these other places. But there were some pretty cool ones in Ueno, and I got to see so many of them in that one day. Afterwards, I was like, I don't need to see temples for a couple of days, you know. Um, so yeah, I walked around there. I remember it took me a while to find a bathroom. Uh, that was the only one complaint I had about about Ueno Park. Uh, finding a bathroom wasn't that easy, and I was also really worried I was going to have to use an Eastern style toilet, the old uh, squat toilet. That was my biggest fear in Japan, and I never ever used a squat toilet the entire time I was in Japan. But I did use the Western style toilets and they had, they were a bit weird. Um, they were a little bit weird. And I remember we, yeah, we walked around the whole Ueno. We went through Ueno Park. We went sort of by the big, uh, there's a big river. Um, 